Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're here this week. I have a really special guest who's been on before. Uh, I want to welcome back my really good friend and colleague, Carol Jurgensen-Sheets. Carol, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Rob. It is always good to be on your podcast. We have a lot of fun. Well, Carol and I both have a podcast that you should be listening to. Um, and, and by the way, Carol is a social worker. Carol is an expert in partners healing from betrayal and betrayal trauma. Carol has written multiple books, which you're going to talk about, including the new one called Help Her Heal. What a great title, Help Her Heal. And Carol, I want them to first say, if they were to find you on a podcast, where would they find you? Because you have an amazing podcast and I want them to be able to know where, where you're at on the dial. Well, thanks. I actually am on blogtalkradio.com forward slash sex help with Carol the coach. And that's that's my podcast for sex addicts and partners. And then I specifically have a podcast for partners, and that is under Blog Talk also, but that is Partner Betrayal Radio. And can I ask, Carol, you've been doing this, how long have you been doing these podcasts, these blogcasts? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I am your oldest podcaster for sex addiction. And so I started my podcast in 2004. Because you started radio and then moved to podcasting? Absolutely. I used to do drive time radio. I had a show called Sex Help with uh, Carol the Coach. And so I just transferred that right over to sex addiction. And I also tagged a little bit of the sexhelp.com website that people can go to if they want to find out if they truly have a sexual addiction. I wonder how you've been managed to keep your shows fresh. That's what I want to know, because how often you do podcasts regularly around this issue. I know I've done about 75. And we're constantly learning things, but what are some of the themes that you think come out most strongly in all the shows you've done? I know we're going to talk about other things, but I'm just curious. You've done so many, and you're talking about very similar issues much of the time, but you manage to keep it very fresh. And I'm wondering, what are the themes that come out with, with betrayal, with around trauma, around infidelity? What are the ones that you think really keep this show going all of this time? I would just have to say that I trust the universe to put people in front of me that have expertise in trauma and in trauma bonding and in pro-dependence and in partner betrayal. And so I have very generalized topics for the show, but 
the experts bring in very specific treatment techniques and philosophies that maybe not everybody has heard about unless they're incredibly well read. So that's what I, I believe is that we really are disseminating information to people all over the world. And that's what's so exciting about podcasting. So let me ask you about the, the really the biggest dilemma that I have in doing this podcast work that you do and doing the sex and intimacy disorder work that we do is that I worry and feel so strongly for those people who won't get to therapy. And I know you're a social worker. You think about this too. You know, what about that person who can't afford to go to therapy and look at their past or look at what happened in the way that some people have the resources and unfortunately fewer and fewer people have the time, the money and the insurance to really go into longer term self-examination? Or How do you help the woman who or man whose life has been so profoundly disrupted by the trauma of betrayal and it's also kicked up all the stuff in their life from the past, whatever that is for them. What do they do if they, they can't make it to therapy? What, what would you say? Well, I definitely believe in our podcasts, our in-the-room opportunities, which anybody can get free information and even some free treatment, I believe. And then APSATS, the organization that I belong to uh, for partner sensitivity, has they utilize coaches and oftentimes coaches need to have a certain amount of people that they're working with and they will see people for very minimal amounts virtually. And so although they're not clinicians, they can begin to help resource for the client what he or she may need. And so that's always a nice opportunity from APSAT standpoint versus other organizations that really only certify clinicians. And you know, Rob, I'm both. Can you, yes, you're bi, Carol. Mm -hmm. I am bi. You're bi, you're a coach and you're a psychotherapist. That means you're, yes, you're bi. And can you just right at the second, give folks a reference right here and now for how they would find a coach or someone at a reduced fee if they were looking for someone like that? Well, there's two ways. One is to go to appsats.org, and that's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org, and look for a coach who has information that resonates with you. The second way would be to contact me directly. Um, I'm on the board, and I am the contact person for anybody who goes to the website that wants more information specifically about people in their area or people that can actually help them. So that would be Carol at carolthecoach.com. That's so helpful because, you know, I really try to advocate, Carol, for those folks who may not have the resources to get the kinds of help that we talk about. And there are so many wonderful experts, but the fact that there are coaches out there who I think you're helping train and helping to understand the work so that they can, and you use the word resource people. And I wanted to maybe check out what you mean by that. So in the early stages of somebody going through infidelity, and I just had someone on, on, online last night who was saying to me, you know, it's been six weeks and I have no idea what to do. And I don't know, you know, they're spinning. They don't know what direction to turn in. They love, they hate, you know, all of that. You know, what are those kind of initial things that people need to do? And you call it resourcing. Can you say something about that? 
When I reference the word resources or resourcing, that means that I want people to be available to them to help them regulate their emotions and find safety and stabilization in a situation that absolutely feels unsafe. I mean, at the time of discovery or even six weeks after- Discovery of cheating, discovery of infidelity, or discover some kind of porn addiction, something like that. Absolutely. And when they discover that their husband or wife has been living a dual life that they had no idea about, they go into that amygdala fight, flight, or freeze response, which affects their anterior cingulate, which is a big name for the rejection center in the brain. And then that takes their brain offline. So they can't make decisions as well. They aren't able to resource personally. They can't read. Uh, They can't sometimes even speak. So let me see if I can break this down. I think what you're saying in very simple terms, because you're, you, you use those smart terms sometimes that I don't even understand, is that people get so overwhelmed that they, they're completely emotionally engaged. Like they can't think clearly. They can't quite make sense of and make good decisions. And when you say resourcing, you're saying letting that, helping that person get stable, get more solid in their body, more able to think clearly, more able to make use of their day-to-day support, and also to find new support while feeling stronger. You're basically talking about helping that person get it back together, I guess, in simple terms. Absolutely. So that they can, with the help of support, make some decisions about what they need to feel safe and um, what they need for their future one day at a time. So let me ask you, Carol, the, the question that I get most from partners, and you know I volunteer once a week online, I'm in sex and relationship healing once a week, and I'm on In the Rooms once a week volunteering, and I'm talking to lots and lots and lots of spouses. And I could tell, you know, you and I could, could opine, we could pine off on some of the difficult uh, challenges that come up online, but one of them seems to be fairly consistent. There are a couple of them, but this is one I'd like to bring you, and then I want to talk about help her heal. So I often have a partner who says something like, my husband, let's say, uh, or my boyfriend, because it's often a woman, I found out about their acting out six months ago. And they say they're going to do something about it. They say that they have found a therapist and they started going. They say that they've read a book. In other words, the partner is coming to me saying, we entered a crisis. This thing happened. He says he's doing this and that, and maybe he's doing a few of them, but I don't feel safe. I don't feel, in other words, and let me sort of break this down further. What I think is going on with these couples is, you know, you and I work with couples by the time we see them who've often made a decision to really get into working on this, whatever this is, cheating, affair, addiction. But I think a lot of folks are at that, we might call pre-contemplation stage, which is, you know, the cheaters kind of like, well, if I just give it enough time, he or she will get over it. I don't really need to do much about this. Just put it, you know, push it past me. And the partner is just waiting for something to happen, but they're not sure what. And that's very different than the people we see who are like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? And they're ready and willing. I see a lot of folks are in this, a lot of partners are in this stage, like, what do I do with this guy? He just doesn't seem to want to change, yet he's hurt me so deeply, he doesn't understand it. How do you begin to work with a couple like that? Well, from the get-go, I asked both of them to come in for that first session because I do want to talk about what each one of them can do. And if he is unmotivated or he's scared or he's avoided, you know, avoidance is a big issue in sex addiction. So if he- What do you mean by avoidance? Well, you you said it earlier when you said, you know, he just hopes that if he waits long enough, it'll go away or things will get better. Oh, or meaning she'll get over it. She won't be so mad at me and we can just go on like we were. Right. And truly, 
Rob, I think you can understand this. When a man is discovered, he may not really be ready to give up his sex addiction because his sex addiction was his best friend. It was his medication. It was his time waster. I mean, and so he's still contemplating, can I give it up? Do I have the strength to give it up? Do I want to give it up? And so that's why they may be in very different places. So he's kind of in a, yeah, 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 just get off my back and stop being, making this such a big deal. And it's just porn. And it was just something I did in Vegas last year. And, and she's saying, I thought you cared about me. Unfortunately, yes. Oftentimes, the partner feels like his actions are a direct reflection of how he feels about her. And you and I both know it has nothing to do with how he feels about her. It's a compulsion. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. He can't control it. Now, a one-time fling in Vegas is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who can't stop sexually acting out, no matter what that is. And they're not necessarily, I think what you're saying even though they've been confronted, in fact, they may have been thinking this confrontation is coming for years. When it finally comes, they, they do what everybody does when they go into shock, uh, a lot of denial, a lot of bargaining. This isn't so bad and it's no big deal. And so part of, I think, what the addict is going through is coming to terms with the fact that they've been found out and they have to figure out what to do about it. And they're not really sure. Like you said, do I want to give it up? Do I not? And then you wrote this book, which is, this is the perfect moment to bring this in, help her heal. And I'm thinking about this person who's in this situation saying, why did I get involved with this person? Why am I in this relationship? Was, did we ever love each other? What did any of what we've had together mean? And you're walking in saying, I can help you heal. Can you tell, more, tell us more about that? What are you saying in that book? You know, we just discussed the sex addict who may not be ready to stop or who may not be sure that they want to stop. But the truth of the matter is when couples come to me or when a wife calls about the husband and I say, both of you come in, the husband does want to stop the bleeding. He doesn't like seeing his wife in pain and he does want his own personal help. So he wants help with his recovery and I'm a CSAT, so I'm a certified sexual addictions therapist, but I'm also an APSATS partner sensitive clinician and coach. And so that means that I have to give them some strength, hope and recovery that first session about here's what you do to get healthy addict and here's what you do together to improve the relationship. And so Help Her Heal is also considered a workbook for the sex addict to develop empathy so that he, de he begins to have the relational skills to really help her move through this. And Rob, the premise of the book is when he helps her to heal, he gets better too. And so it improves his self-esteem. Okay, so now you're going to know that there's a silly question coming from me. You ready for the silly question? I sure am. Why didn't you call it help them heal? Because his focus initially, and probably for at least the first year, is really on her. And what he has to consistently remind her her of is that he knows he caused her wounding and that's why she's in pain and that he is holding himself a hundred percent responsible and accountable so that she doesn't go into that state of what was wrong with me why wasn't I good enough 
or I hate him, he's made my life miserable, he's ruined my life, I can't stand him. Either way, it's problematic for the coupleship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so basically, you are doing an intervention of some kind. You're giving a challenge to the couple about how they can begin to change things and make them better. Is that what you're writing about? Well, yes, I'm actually writing to him on how he can help her feel better. So it really is exclusively for the sex addict. But now that it's been out almost a year, it's been out 10 months, what I found is, as with most partners, she is reading everything he's reading. So she's hearing what I said. And then I found that it's a great intervention to work on together because I ask him to identify Is he really willing to do the hard relational work to help her heal? And then he has to list why. And I ask him to identify how he's wounded his wife so that he begins to understand how she feels and what she thinks. And so sometimes if I tell him to do 25 reasons and he can only come up with 13, together they can come up with 25. And that helps the communication and the dialoguing. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. So I wrote a book called Out of the Doghouse, which is also about men developing empathy for partners, female partners that they've harmed. And I think that what you've done is something more active, more with workbooks and exercises and things that couples can actually, not just information, but things that they can actually do. Exactly. And one of the things I I love um, about what we are writing, and, and ladies, you will understand this. I think you understand this, Carol. So men don't read books like this. In case you guys don't know, the research says that 95% of all self-help books, that's nine five, are bought by women. And that probably means just a few of us gay guys are buying the rest of them. So the question that Carol and I have always, and I don't know if you thought about this, Carol, but I did, is how do you write a book for a woman? I'm sorry, how do you write a book for a man that a man where a man needs to reflect on his own behavior, who he is, really look at himself when you know that man is never going to buy that book? And the only answer is, and I think you would agree with this, is you buy a, you create a book for a man to read that a woman will agree with. And then you wait for her to read it, and then she will buy it, she will read it, and then she will throw it at him, and then he will read it. That's sort of how I pictured doghouse selling. Is that how you pictured help her heal selling if it's a book for him? Something, in other words, and I'm being light, but that ultimately she's going to bring to her her male spouse and say, we need to do this, I want you to do this. Yes, absolutely. And because it so resonates with partners and and they're like, Carol really gets how I feel. She's describing me to a T. It motivates and encourages him. But Rob, I also know that there are some men that they have good intentions and they can't sustain them. And so for men who are sex addicts that want to help their wives heal, I developed an online course through my website, Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And it is an online course that can help them see me teach them how to do the work. Wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. And how do they access that or how would they find that? 
Well, they go to my website, www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach, and it is on the landing page. I mean, it is the home page. And the first half of the page is about help her heal and how to obtain that course. The second quarter of the page is for partners on determining how they want to look as they get better. What is their post-traumatic growth that they can absolutely be assured that they will get to someday as long as they recognize their strengths. So what Carol's talking about here, I think, is hope. That crisis equals opportunity. And then even though you may not be able to see it, you, each one of you in the coupleship and the couple itself, if you really work on this, will come to a higher place, will develop and grow. And that's the goal here, I'm thinking. 100%. So let's, let's talk a little bit about our shared history, Carol. It's, it's 2020 at the moment. We've been doing this work for, I've been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it for, well, I think 16 years you've been talking about it from what I hear. What have you seen change in the last 15 years in this field? Because there aren't a lot of people who have the vision that we have, who've watched this thing grow and change over the last, you know, almost a couple of decades. What do you see happening and, and how is your practice changing as a result? Well, obviously, one of the biggest changes is the fact that the World Health Organization is now recognizing sex addiction by virtue of a whole new name. And when the World Health Organization says, yeah, compulsive problematic sexual behavior is a problem, we are going to begin to get that reimbursed with insurance. There are going to be hospitals for this because I truly believe that this is epidemic. We're all pioneers in this field, including people that suffer from it and people that love people that suffer from it. And that's by far the greatest change is the fact that now there is an official name for this that we all agree on. And so oh, that's absolutely a change for us. And I know that I'm busier in other parts of the world talking about this because unfortunately we don't have a diagnosis in the US or Canada, only in the rest of the world. But we will get there, absolutely. And But what I'm wondering changes you see in the clients you see and the issues that are coming up and the work that's coming to you over the last years, do you see, some people will say, you know, clients are more troubled now that the internet, you know, or clients are dealing with more complex issues or clients, for example, I hear a lot about my husband's looking at transgender porn or my wife is looking at female porn and I'm not sure what this means. Or So that if one of the things I notice is a lot more kind of confusion about gender and sexual roles and just sexuality in general has come up in the last 10 years. And older people especially are questioning things that they never would have questioned when they were younger, but younger people are come, kind of coming out of the box questioning them. That's somewhat I notice. So I'm just curious what you see in the folks that you're working with. Well, I definitely see what you just said, as well as I see that we used to have minimal support for addicts and their partners, and the support in and of itself was very codependent-based. And we are really teaching our clients, and they're loving it, a prodependent model. A more supportive, less uh, labeling, less, uh, uh, we're not uh, putting our partners down. Well, not only are we not putting our partners down, we're not keeping them separate. We're not saying stay on your side of the street and, and a couple of years from now, if you're be both better, you can get make it together. We're saying <laughs> from the get-go, couples therapy is not warranted. That's what I say. You cannot do couples therapy right after discovery. So Carol, are there any last messages you would really like, you know, as we've been working for such a long time in this work, and you and I have seen, I think, as you said, a more of a focus on partner sensitivity, more of a focus on the mutuality of the healing, not just the addict going off and getting well. 
what hope has that brought for you for change before we end? What are you seeing? Are you seeing things go better? Are you seeing couples healing more holistically or in a better way? Well, I do believe that this is an incredibly dark field with a lot of trauma by virtue of the sexual addiction itself, but also based on the trauma that one has experienced in a variety of ways at an earlier age. And so what I believe is that this is a field where we are all getting better at treating trauma in general, and we're much more empathetic to our clients, whether he or she be the sex addict or he or she be the partner. And I am so encouraged by that. And I I really feel like working with couples together in this situation is the only way to go. Now, I'm not saying that a clinician or a coach can't do a good job working individually, but there has to be somebody working with the coupleship so that they can work together to determine what it is they need and how to go forward. And you know, Carol, that reminded me of what I wanted to say, which is that in the beginning, couples really think, well, we want to go into couples therapy and try to work this out. The problem is, is that in the beginning, often all a spouse really has to say emotionally is you hurt me on some level. And, and all the addict or the person who's done the cheating really can say in early couples therapy, because they just don't know enough, is I didn't mean to, I don't know why I did it, I'm so sorry. That They just kind of keep repeating that in various forms in the beginning. And that's why we need to get them past that early stage of pointing fingers so that they can begin to grow together. And that's why we don't do it couples. At least that's why I think of it not happening right away. Would you support that? Well, yes, I definitely support the addict working on his or her recovery for 90 days and and with some abstinence. And then, Rob, I'm a proponent of a disclosure so that she or he knows the entire truth. And then the next phase is early couples recovery work, which is different than couples therapy, but it's teaching them how to talk, how to recognize each other's pain and how to support each other. And that's what I'm a proponent of. Folks, this is Carol, the coach, author of Help Her Heal, and who does amazing podcast called Carol, the coach. Carol Jurgensen Sheets, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're going to be back. I want to talk about male-male couples, male-female couples, all kinds of couples, and see what we can get beyond this model into other folks. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Rob. It's always such a pleasure. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term, effective, intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.